I was having a discussion with my dear friends, the seminarians, good old Joseph Wassa over here and Darren Balky, the other night about how it's kind of unfortunate that we don't have a whole bunch of movies that we always watch at Easter time like we do at Christmas. Now, there is one huge exception, and in fact, Joseph and I just watched it on Friday night, and that is The Passion, that incredible work of art under the direction of Mel Gibson, uh, which came out, I believe it was in 2003, and it's incredible. It's so good. In fact, afterwards, Joseph and I watched the documentary on how it was made and all that they went through, and especially Jim Caviezel, the actor who played Christ. Wow, there were so many sacrifices, and it's incredible. But at the same time, even if you say, you know, the passion I guess you could throw the Ten Commandments in there. Um, there may be some others, but it's not like it is a Christmas, where during Christmas, there's a whole litany of movies that, I mean, it just doesn't feel like the Christmas season if you don't watch them. And that's where this year it almost seems, I don't know, unfair is not the right word, but, you know, we have a little bit more time, you know, being quarantined, staying at home. You know, there's not like this whole series of movies that now that we have time to watch them, you know, we want to dive into, right? So it's kind of unfortunate. We've been looking for things to watch. We went through the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's incredible. I love it. I recommend it. But I will say there is one Christmas movie that I really thought of in a big way today, particularly one scene, and that's the movie A Christmas Story. I highly recommend it. Maybe the guys and I will watch it tonight. I don't know. But there's a part in there, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it, but there's a bully throughout the whole thing, Scott Farkas, he has yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow eyes, and you know he's terrible to all of them throughout the whole thing, and Ralphie, one of the key characters, towards the end, when he's having a particularly bad day, takes a snowball in the face, you know, his glasses are all messed up from Scott Farkas, Scott Farkas once, once again is giving him a hard time, and Ralphie snaps, right? He tackles Scott Farkas and just begins to beat, quite literally, the snot out of him. Well, his little brother, Randy, runs on home, gets his mom, and the beating is continuing. And his mom comes up, and the way that she gets him out of this frenzy of beating up Scott Farkas, is she says, and I'm gonna try to kind of match the way in which she says it, she says, Ralphie! Ralphie! Ralphie? And he finally, it's like the spell is sort of broken. And what happens with Ralphie as he's there over this kid with literally blood coming out of his nose, he all of a sudden just starts to cry and kind of collapses into his mother's arm, uh, who says, you know, okay, bud, let's, let's go. Let's go home. We're going home. And, of course, there is the aside that the mother and takes care of her son and walks off with him and leaves the bully lying on the ground bloodied and broken. We won't talk about that, but what is it that snaps the smell for young, the spell for young Ralphie? It's his name. His name spoken by his mother who loves him so much, who calls into that insanity, that frenzy, that snappedness, right? And brings him back out of that into her warm and loving embrace. And in fact, she keeps him from the feared rage of his father, right? And sort of protects him. Yeah, he was in a fight. You know how boys are. And kind of redirects the dad to another direction. And all of a sudden, things are different for he and his mom, right? 
But it all goes back to her speaking his name. And the reason I bring that up tonight, and maybe I'll start thinking about A Christmas Story is also kind of an Easter movie, probably not entirely, especially due to the title. But that speaking of the name is such a beautiful thing. Look at what happens in the gospel today. Mary Magdalene weeping for love, right? And just before this, in the 20th chapter of the gospel of John, Peter and John have been to the tomb and they take off. They've already left at this point. Mary Magdalene stays outside the tomb weeping. And twice she's asked, woman, why are you weeping, right? Two different times. And it's like just being asked the question, it doesn't call her out of the frenzy of sorrow. It doesn't kind of bring her back to what's actually going on until what? Until Jesus speaks her name, Mary. All of a sudden, it's so that is what breaks the spell of the sorrow, of her continual weeping. Let's say, too, look at the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Who is it that's speaking so boldly, who preaches in such a way that he cuts them to the heart, right? It's Peter. And how is Peter pulled out of that state of having wept bitterly, of being inside of his own despair and sorrow at the face of his own cowardice, at the face of his own denying our Lord three times, even though he told him, hey, if everybody else fails you, not this guy. I'm going to stay with you. I'll go with you all the way to death. And of course, our Lord said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. I'm sorry, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times, right? And then what happens? We know what's coming eventually in the Gospel of John is that encounter with our Lord and Peter himself when our Lord looks at him and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Once again, our Lord speaks the name of the one that he loves, calling him out of that weeping bitterly, calling him out of that place of turning in on himself calling him out of sorrow and anxiety and despair into his own love, calling him into that love that our Lord wants to give to him personally. And that's the way that our Lord operates with each one of us. He doesn't just love humanity, right, in some sort of a general sort of a way. He loves you and he loves me. One thing that has always impressed me in the Eucharistic prayer is those two different parts of the consecration. The consecration of the bread that becomes the body of Christ. The consecration of the wine that becomes the blood of Christ. What is the last word in each of those phrases which is given up for you? Do this in memory of me. It's as though he's speaking to each and every one of us. This is a personal encounter. This is one of those areas that I know this uh, kind of gets labeled as very Protestant. Of, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? But it's a fair question. In fact, I was blessed just on Saturday. I was having a conversation with a sister friend of mine from Portugal and just sort of reflecting on, you know, the whole world is going through this right now. Everybody's having to stay home. We can't come into the churches, right? And she said, this is the time that we're going through something different and everybody has to sort of grapple with the fact, do I have that personal relationship with Christ? Am I close to him? And I would say at this time when we're not able to go through the normal routine, and don't get me wrong, I don't think routines are bad, and sometimes they can really help us. But I think sometimes they can almost be like a lazy river, you know, at a water park. 
or just sort of pick up your feet and kind of go along with the motions. Well, just like in any relationship, our Lord doesn't want us to just kind of go along with the, with the motions, right? Think about a married couple. I love using this example because I think it applies so much. It would not be good for a new groom to say to his bride, honey, I love you. What's the bare minimum I got to do to make this thing work? It's not good enough, right? We can't just live our faith by what's the obligation. What is the bare minimum I have to do? I'll show up on Sundays, I'll go to confession once a year, that's the end of it. Well, you're never going to grow in love if that's the case. And at this time in which, hey, the obligations have been relaxed, right? But still, does that mean that we shouldn't grow in love? Absolutely not. This is the time when things are a little bit different and we've got to be quiet and listen for our Lord to say our name, to speak our name. Even in the face of this darkness and this, you know, sadness, anxiety, we don't know what's coming next. Just like Mary, weeping there at the tomb, listen for our Lord to say your name. To recognize the fact that he is risen from the dead for you. And as he says in the midst of the Eucharistic prayer, do this in memory of me. He wants to be right there in your heart. And as you notice, he says to Mary, don't cling to me. He's going, he wants us to be totally with him. It's not just an external thing like we can hug him and move on. He wants to be absolutely a part of our life. He wants to be in our hearts. He wants to be a part of everything that we do. And it all begins with him saying our name. He's loved us into existence, each and every one of us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Let him into your heart, especially right now, when yes, there's plenty of causes for concern. But the good news is, is we know, as here we are on Easter Tuesday. Remember, we celebrate Easter for eight straight days. I'm going to keep wearing the nicest vestment I've got. We're going to keep the Easter candle lit all the way through. Why? Because he's risen from the dead. His love cannot be overcome. And that love speaks your name. Just like it did Simon, son of John. Just like it did Mary Magdalene. He continues to speak your name on this day. At this time in which, you know, we're kind of going through different things. We don't have our typical routines. You feel like you're in the frenzy like Ralphie and you just can't get out of it. Be quiet. Listen for him to say your name. Spend time with him in prayer. Share with him your concerns. And recognize that fact that he loves you personally. Ask for the grace to personally respond to him. To be in that relationship of love. To know that he gives himself totally to you. That he wants you to be totally with him. As he says, do this in memory of me. That relationship is on offer. Say yes to it as he speaks your name. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.